Bart, welcome to episode number eight at the Wimlex show uh, today from Amsterdam. Uh, in this episode, we're going to talk about the development of the DAP agency group and what is happening in the Dutch and German markets and how your customers are developing and demanding services uh, from the agency in this market. So it's kind of a it's kind of a special show where uh, Wilhelm is uh, not only <laughs> is going to ask questions, but uh, only get some, some answers uh, uh, too. But uh, we want to take the opportunity as we both have uh, you both uh, you here um, at the venue. That's going to be very interesting. So before we deep dive into the agency market of uh, um, of the Benelux, uh, please explain a little bit your background, uh, what you're doing, and where you're coming from. Um, so what I'm doing now, or what I've what I have been doing. So let's let me start at the beginning. Yeah. So I um, studied physics in Delft, and right at the end of my studies, my brother Paul came to me and he said this internet thing that I'm reading about, and this was in 1995. Um, what is it? How does it work? And can we make money with it? Because he's a very entrepreneurial guy. And I'm... Uh, so it's like Bitcoin today. It's Same a little bit like Bitcoin or AI <laughs> or what have you. So uh, yeah, so this, this new thing coming up, can we make money? And, um, and I, studying at the university in Delft, I was using uh, lots of internet technology already for one or two years on mainframes and uh, Unix workstations. So I said, yeah, it's, it's really easy. And uh, I showed him and then he said, okay, let's, let's make a business together. So we took off with the two of us where he was the entrepreneurial and the sales guy and I was the guy developing the stuff. So that was my first sort of 10 years at TomTom, Tom, our agency that we built. I, uh, uh, I'm a sort of a self-studied uh, developer, um, self-educated, I should say. And uh, after that, I moved on to more generic uh, technical advice and technical sales role within the agency. And ob obviously now it has evolved into depth, which will probably go into a little bit more. Yeah, can you can you give us some rough numbers? So how many people are, are working now at Depth? How many companies are included in the uh, network? So at this moment, uh, we have uh, about a thousand people. Uh, we are represented in about 10 countries. Um, I think if I'm exact, uh, it's a collection now of 16 agencies, um, but those are not discernible anymore, all of them, because we integrated many of them into one depth. Um, in the German market, this still has to be done. Uh, where we also will continue as one depth. So actually the number of agencies is decreasing while we keep on adding new agencies to the group. Um, because we have a lot of German listeners, so what kind of agencies, so what are the name of the agencies uh, that are part of the depth network there? Right now we have, so we started off with Be Excellent, which is a, a Salesforce demandware uh, specialist. Um, then we had Trust Agents uh, from Berlin, um, an SEO and search engine marketing agency. Um, then we had Superreal in Hamburg, uh, digital commerce specialist and creative agency. Uh, we added Factor A, or Factor A, I should say in English, um, the Amazon marketing specialist. Um, and last but not least, we have uh, Xava and Visumate, the influencer marketing 
agency and creative advertising agency in uh, Berlin added to the group. So that's the group now in Germany. And uh, when did you decide to grow with an uh, M&A strategy instead of like most agencies are now in a stage somewhere even they are like smaller with like less than 50 people. Some uh, are getting stuck with like 50 to 100 people focused on, I don't know, performance marketing or e-commerce development or more like creative stuff. Yeah. Uh, and uh, very, very few agencies are able to create a network like you're creating right now. Though what was like the um, kickoff of doing this? So the kickoff, so there's a little bit of a story there. I think uh, it's, uh, it's worth explaining. Um, we, uh, in the period from, uh, let's say, about 2010 to 2014, uh, we had a very strong management team and we focused on uh, building and growing our TomTom Dutch agency in that uh, phase, make it profitable, make it grow, uh, make it a top three agency of the Netherlands. Basically, that was our goal. And we could honestly say that around 2013, 14, we sort of reached that goal where we said, okay, we are a top three agency in the Netherlands and we do have a healthy growth and healthy margins and we run a healthy business. I think we were about 130 employees big. We serviced some very nice brands in the Netherlands and some international as well, but not that many. Um, and then came the phase that also, so Paul and me were founders and we assembled a management team around us. And this management team were also going like, okay, guys, what's going to be our next step? What's going to be our next adventure? Because we've done this adventure now for a couple of years and we want to co continue on a new journey. We don't want to get stuck here on this level uh, and do the same for another five or 10 years. We want to do something bigger. So at that point we said, okay, uh, the next adventure is probably fun and cool if it's going to be an international adventure because that's something we've never done before. So, heck, why not? Uh, it's hard, but it's achievable. Um, so that was an internal motivation. Then I think there's an other motivation as well, is that we saw the market develop where there was a big opportunity for having uh, a true multidisciplinary agency. And let me explain that a little bit. At that point, we called ourselves a full-service internet agency. But if you in were 2014, in 2014, before we took off, and if you're really honest, we were not full service because we were doing only, and I say only, the uh, concept development design of basically websites, portals, commerce uh, shops, uh, apps, and services that sort of owned properties, the owned platforms of our clients. What we were not doing was, for instance, digital marketing or brand and advertising, or true integrated omni-channel commerce solutions. So we were lacking out on many of the sort of developing digital disciplines. And we saw, because of the digital transformation, that our more serious clients were making larger demands for uh, being able to deliver a more integrated approach. And we wanted to move into that market. So that was an external motivation to really shift gears, so to speak. So as a very lucky circumstance, we were approached by a private equity company in January 2015, who were looking for a platform agency 
to help perform a buy and build strategy. And at the same time, we were having this you know, internal and external motivation to take a step to the next level. Uh, we saw it as a golden opportunity. Uh, we took them on board. We learned from them the game for doing acquisitions and integrations. Um, and on the other hand, we developed our own sort of story, proposition, uh, service developments on which sort of services were, what sort of markets, what sort of clients would make sense to combine. And that has evolved now into what we now call Debt. And I think we can now say we have a truly integrated digital agency that covers all the aspects of the digital customer journey from brand and advertising to 360 commerce. It's all underpinned by data machine learning for optimizations and we cover the whole range. And that's truly our goal. The motivation, I, I, I remember um, um, the uh, sales of Zina Schrader to the Central Group. I think yeah. it was last year, two years ago, I'm not, I'm not sure. And Matthias Schrader, which is also a, pop, uh, a very popular figure in the Hamburg um, e-commerce network, told that um, even if they had like 500 people back then, um, it was that wasn't by far big enough for the demands of the very very big clients, which yeah. just hire for one project like 500 people, and they needed to decide: do they want to stay with like the mid-sized project, which is like for like a smaller agency, like uh, might still like a multi-million contract, or do they really want to go with the um, Daimler, uh, Mercedes-Benz brands, Bayerstoff brands, or Heining brands, and um, do like the uh, uh, very very big jobs? Can you describe a little bit like the development of the uh, uh, of the demand for digital services in the Dutch in the Dutch market? Is, yeah. it, is, it, is it similar here, or is it a very so German problem? So, so let's uh, obviously we understand that elephants dance with elephants, right? Um, if if there's a client who wants to staff a thousand-person team, that's not for us. Funny enough, some of the sort of big corporates that you mentioned in the German market might also be our clients that we work for. Then we sometimes we don't do the entire digital strategy of the whole organization, but it's more either a department or just a part of it. But that's also workable for us. So that's, I think, for one, uh, our you're never going to be the biggest. And I don't think it's an ambition of us to be the biggest. It's an ambition to be the best and the most innovative digital agency. Um, we're not about adding volume. We're about adding value and margin. So that's, that's basically our strategy. If you look at the Dutch market, I think what we learned when we moved to OneDebt last April and we dropped all the old brands, so TomTom, Expand Online, a friend of mine, Second Degree, they were all well-known Dutch brands in the Dutch agency market. We dropped them all in favor of one debt, and all of a sudden, we got um, new demands for, from a new category of clients with bigger assignments. And we can now say we're truly working for the biggest Dutch organizations, but we have to be realistic. Those are not comparable to the size of maybe a Daimler or other big German organizations. 
How, how could you avoid, and, uh, and, uh, and remember this because I had Matthias Schrader on the Kassenzone.de podcast, the German, uh, the German one uh, two or three years ago, um, and he wa he's um, more or less the uh, same age as you and has been around in e-commerce, internet, like since the beginnings. And how was it possible for you to, to avoid like the, um, uh, the, the, the taste of uh, um, instead of doing digital services, but doing like an e-commerce business yourself? Because you have been around when those e-commerce businesses yeah. really started to emerge and really got big. And then it's like you have all the developers, you have the e-commerce skills, you're basically running maybe uh, the e-commerce e business for some of your clients, but you're not profiting, profiting uh, f for, uh, on the other side, on the other hand. Yeah. Uh, and, and, it's, it's like, and you're an entrepreneur, as, as you've proven with your, uh, with, with your career path. So how was this possible, not being involved in product projects? That's, good. That's a good question. Um, we know our limitations as entrepreneurs. And uh, no, but, but uh, seriously, um, we've always, and I may refer to Willem uh, sitting next to me, when we walked into Willem's office a couple of years ago, there was a line on the wall when that, that struck with me forever. And I think the regular listeners of this past podcast might know the line, probably. It's hocus pocus, keep the focus. And um, I think this is something that is, and, and that's also why we were so uh, willing to, to take on this adventure of, of going depth together with uh, the Willem and the team from Expand Online, because this is so much also our culture. We know we've, I know we've seen all these opportunities to build product or to build business or to build whatever. We know we want to build an agency and we better do one thing right than two things half. So it might've been possible to do something, but I just know I'm an agency guy. I love doing what I do. I love working for clients. I love uh, helping them develop their digital channels and their digital business. Um, yeah, there could have been other paths in, in our lives, but Paul and me, we just stuck with what we knew. We run an agency. So, uh, and just William, just to keep up, I think you explained it in like the first episode, but for the newer listeners that uh, didn't get to the first episode um, um, yet, though you have been one of the first target then in the new private equity yeah, driven. So actually, I think the ink of uh, the deal between Waterland and TomTom Tom was not yet dry. And uh, we received a call from Paul and Bart saying, guys, we're heading to this new adventure. Uh, we're going to build uh, a European and now potentially global uh, digital powerhouse. And actually that story really appealed to us because we also felt that we are hitting a limitation because at Expand Online uh, in those early years, we were focusing on digital marketing, on really making sure that we attracted the right traffic for the platforms of our clients. Whereas with TomTom, Tom, they were an expert on building those platforms that actually helped for us increase conversions from the traffic that we derived from the channels that we targeted. So for us, it was really a logical synergy to, uh, um, to team up with TomTom. Tom. And for us also felt that when, whenever we were working on projects together with Paul and Bart, uh, we saw that that synergy was not only happening in the work we did, in the strategy and the services, but also culturally. And I think that's an aspect that has been very important and, and a key of the success of that, that we uh, look at synergies also from a cultural perspective. And I remember that we uh, teamed up, we went to Lisbon with a couple of clients and we did a hackathon and you couldn't tell who was from what agency. 
And that's really the, the, the feeling that you have right now if you walk into debt offices. Yeah, of course, there are people who are aligned across services that they uh, develop, for example, developers, designers, and data scientists. But it doesn't really matter uh, what your background, which agency background you have, you really feel debt now. And that's also something we look for in the buy and build. So if we talk to agencies abroad, we really want to sense that they feel this, this eagerness to grow, this ambition, but also like diversity and, and, and openness to, to the, different, the differences that we have within them. But, but that's an interesting point to discuss because we've seen uh, one, two, maybe three um, artificially created agency groups in the German market. I think one of the first um, uh, um, private equity driven was uh, the UDG. Um, and from what we've learned, what we've seen, it was really, really hard for them and still maybe is uh, and for other groups uh, to to create such a joint culture and vision because uh, it, it's usually the case uh, the agency founders sold their shares, get some uh, because capital is free in these times, got their, got their money out of the business and then uh, most smaller agencies are usually like founder driven, though he's a project manager, he's like the, the sales person, he's like the, uh, the key accountant, so he's like everything up to like maybe even like 100 uh, employees. Um, and this did not happen so far in, in your case, which is a very interesting one and it's from very unique from what I've uh, seen so far and I'm following of course the Factor A story um, a little bit. So what, yeah. is your, what is your take on this or what, what, what is the trick? You want me to answer that? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, of course, we know all that stories, and we know uh, uh, doing successful integration and building one successful culture and one successful business is hard. It's not easy, and uh, we spend literally countless hours of time on making sure uh, all these little things about how people can find each other, connect each other, work with each other, communicate, it's, there's just, just, just a lot of work to be done there. Um, I think part of the success factor has to do with, I think what Willem mentioned, the pre-selection of the agencies that we want to ha have to join our group anyway. And basically, and one little secret is we typically like the agencies that are not for sale because it's an indication that the founders owners are not done yet they're not exiting they're not you know thinking about cashing in and and doing something else we like the agency where every we like the agencies where everyone is still energetic entrepreneurial growing uh, healthy and has a you know decent horizon for you know, taking the next step and taking on this adventure. That's the people we're looking for. Typically, we're also looking for the agencies where, uh, and it's also similar to the culture that we're building, it's not only about sort of the top guy and then a lot of nothing and then the rest, but where it's a much broader base, much more of a non-hierarchical culture where there's other strong personalities where people have had the room to grow and to develop themselves and to take on the lead in various positions in the agency. So there's a broad base. So in the case where a founder would leave, and obviously some founders uh, will leave uh, in the course of these years that we do, uh, there will be new people standing up and taking the lead over that respective team. Um, I'm not 
I cannot, we cannot guarantee that this will uh, be successful forever. But I think as, uh, as for now, we're about three and a half years underway. Uh, so far, it's been successful. Uh, we see the, 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 the culture, the vibe, the atmosphere is, is, is really positive, is really strong. I think we all have the sense that we're building something exciting together, which none of us could have done alone and by ourselves. And I think that's the strong point. Everyone understands that we need each other and, and we build together. Is, is, is the base culture different in the, uh, in the different markets? So you have acquired like now agencies in the uh, UK, in Germany, yeah. and uh, in, uh, I've seen something in Copenhagen, Denmark then, uh, in uh, yeah, Portugal in also. I'm not sure about that, but... Um, Switzerland, Ireland. So is it, do you see like different cultures in those countries uh, throughout agencies? Yeah, obviously a lot of the uh, cliches are true. That's why they're cliches. So you see some of these sort of country nation difficulties, uh, 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 not difficulties, but the uh, sort of characteristics. Maybe it's a Freudian slip of the tongue uh, difficulties. Um, but the funny thing is because this digital culture is so international that the baseline of the passion of the people it's quite similar wherever you go because people speak this digital language about the digital transformation about building digital services and digital solutions so i think that's quite similar but we always find you know some there's some differences i mean the uk is diff different than the uh, than the, the dutch culture in the way uh, organizations are organized. UK is, I would say, l sometimes a little bit more res really results driven on an individual level. And I think we are more results driven on a collective level. And there it's subtle. And I think, you know, a pre-selection makes sure that the that difference is not that big. But those are the subtle things that we come across. Um, and we respect that because you know it's uh, uh, we allow for that differences because the UK is the UK. I mean, if the people are used to, to working like us in a certain way, they can work in a certain way. So, and, and how fast can you uh, can you scale this kind of approach? And I, I think it was the most popular question in our picnic podcast. So, how fast can you grow? How fast and, can uh, we grow? And, yeah. and how uh, why uh, why are you not already like in Poland and in all those other countries? So, what is uh, and your you've probably like limited management bandwidth somehow and integration takes yeah. takes time and there's more and more agencies and now it's not only integrating uh, uh, factor A in depth, it's also integrating them in all the other still active agencies in, in the countries and just by doing the proper introductions, you would probably need a whole team doing this the whole time. So, yeah. so, how, so what is like the, can you build something like this up to like 10,000 people in a, in a proper time frame, or is it kind of limited? Uh, I really don't see why it would be limited. I would not claim that we could go to, to 10,000 people in one year. Uh, that, that, would be, uh, that would not be uh, possible. But let's put it that way, this way. When we started three and a half years ago, we set ourselves also some quantitative goals in terms of size and growth and that sort of, you know, able to absorb acquisitions and integrate. Um, we set that, that goals for a five-year time frame and we reached them within three years. So we surpassed our own goals in terms of how fast we we're able to grow. We see another development. When we grow, we see more talent coming on board. I think that's really important for us, is that the founders, the directors, the managers of the teams that, that, that join Debt 
will take on initiatives and an autonomy and a responsibility of our own, so build the network further from there. So I think we're really trying to leverage this inflow of talent in terms of being able to accelerate our growth there. Um, and just as an example, what we did in uh, this spring, in the period from April to June, we successfully acquired and closed four agencies, uh, two in the German market, one in the uh, Danish and one uh, Swiss agency. Uh, and we already executed on all the 100-day uh, implementation or integration plans that we, that we run with that. And what we see is we've built up this machine, so we learn how to do it and we uh, re-evaluate after each integration how to shape the integration process for the next time. So actually we're accelerating in that sense that you know the 17th acquisition and integration is going to be much easier than the third or the fourth because a lot of the things have been discussed, have been decided on you know, all the stuff from, okay, what email systems to use to what uh, uh, ERP systems or logistics uh, systems to use, how to go on with media spend, how to do the bookkeeping on that, all that sort of things we are sort of have having been put in place. It's not set in stone, but it's something that's workable. If a new agency comes on board and we need to adapt, we adapt. But we sort of, you know, we developed the blueprints for the organizations while building it itself. So I think it will, uh, I don't see a reason why we should slow down. And adding I really to, don't. Adding to that as well, I think from an um, M&A perspective, there, there, there's a lot of room to grow thanks to these blueprints that, that Bart uh, described. From a uh, build perspective, I see a lot of room for growth as well. Um, take the example of Factor A, uh, well, well known to you as well, Alexander. Um, with Factor A, they, they were obviously uh, growing rapidly already. Um, started two years ago and already with more than 100 people uh, after two years, so a great accomplishment. Um, integrating them in depth is not, um, um, yeah, we don't want to slow down their growth. So we want actually not to integrate them with that, but facilitate their growth and uh, link them to other um, teams within depth in other markets. So we can do a rollout in other markets. We can link them to specialists that we can teach what Amazon marketing is about. So actually facilitating growth, um, I think is more important than integrating uh, all the uh, all the agencies yeah. and, and then losing their vibe. So, and that's uh, happening with services that we buy, for example, uh, with, with Factory, but also services that we build. So we, we um, started uh, data and intelligence, well known to me, but also marketing automations. So these services uh, are actually started somewhere and then being rolled out across the markets and this, couldn't have happened when we were still a local agency or an agency um, active in two markets. Thanks to these European hubs, we're now able to scale internally developed services quicker across uh, markets and regions as well. And, and, and those services, are they like demand driven from the customers? Because what we are seeing uh, or what we've learned in the German market that of course you could have started in Magento agency in 2008 when Magento yep. was like the uh, new upcoming technology. Uh, um, but today the agencies that didn't manage to grow over like 50, 100 people into other areas do have like a very big problem because nobody's doing uh, a big Magento project um, anymore. They're moving on to other technologies or in-housing um, in housing stuff though. Uh, um, same actually with digital uh, services, so SEO, 
SEA management was a big thing. Uh, it, it became much more complex over the years. The very big customers in-house everything, and it, and it, be, and it became a it became a competitive advantage. That's something we're going to discuss with uh, Norman, uh, like uh, in, in in a couple of hours here in in, in, in our shows. So that the the demand for services uh, uh, changed. What we're seeing right now is that. Uh, People are not searching for technology, that, but for like partners that uh, uh, really, uh, really are able to uh, uh, to attract um, enough talent or enough people to work with those projects. Because like strategy is not a limit anymore; it's allow people to execute strategy. So it's it's it's, it's a very very interesting uh, market. So what what what, uh, what have you seen in change of demand uh, in the market over the years? So if. Uh, if I would start, I think it's uh, also on the on the digital marketing side. There's there's a lot of change that that's probably worth discussing. Um, but let's let's put it that way. We see the same trends. We see, and I think it's a good thing, where the maturity of the digital transformation is now without dispute. There's no single organization that we know that doesn't have a serious program on how they want to go about this how they want to build their digital capabilities in-house and how do they want to collaborate or cooperate with uh, agencies, with freelancers, what sort of sourcing strategy, offshoring, nearshoring, how are they going to go about it? I think that's, you know, from an agency perspective, that's one of the most important things for us to consider. What is the client demand in terms of how they want to source our services and combine it and integrate that in their digital capabilities. Uh, what, funny enough, when we were first seeing these trends maybe somewhere se six, seven, eight years ago, there were, it was sort of considered as a red flag, right? Okay, you know, all the clients are gonna be insourcing all the digital capabilities, so you'll be out of work. We've seen quite the opposite. Whenever clients are more serious about taking on these uh, capabilities in-house, their total demand of having more capabilities in this sort of explodes. Um, what we can bring to the table, there's always sort of gaps where they might have good technology, but less creative, where they might have good creative, but less data. And this sort of gaps uh, we can fill. The other thing we can bring to the table as an agency is the strategy, the customer journey focus, the concepts that are winning, that are changing, and that we can translate from one industry to the other. But but but, but is it <coughs> is this like kind of a uh, something you can uh, last on long term? Because um, what happens with this kind of big transformation is that um, people, of course, do have like a peak demand and they need more and more agency uh, um, support and they need to in-house more. And that's why we started Spiker because there's no more and more uh, companies say okay. We did never wanted to, but now we are now we have to compete on a technical level. So we have to become like a software company, and that a lot of co podcast guests we are having here, like uh, uh, Julian, like uh, one hour ago, told. Of course, they they invented uh, uh, they invented like sleep robots, but they need to become a software company. Same uh, same with uh, William Costello from Delft University in invented those smart windows. Uh, but essentially, they need to become like a software company selling data through those windows to to a platform. So uh, that's what we are profiting from. Though the Amazon effect, Tesla effect, Facebook effect, whatever you want to call it. People need to in-house have much more complex solutions, uh, want to build up teams, don't, are not able to find those teams fast enough and hire agencies. 
uh, instead uh, because you're probably mo rather able to attract talent. Uh, but is this kind of a long-term development you can last on, or are you developing into kind of a co-founder company building uh, um, setup over the, over the long run as even bigger companies like a Philips or Heineken are moving into digital companies? Before, when you started TomTom, digital was only kind of a channel, um, a marketing channel, a part yep. of the business, but not the business itself. No. And now it's becoming the business itself, which changes your role a lot. Yeah, and then, and I think one of the reasons that we that we started Debt and we started building Debt was to make sure that we adapt to this changing demands. Because I think in the old position where TomTom -tom was ten years ago, we wouldn't be able to keep up with this sort of value yeah. demands that these sort of clients would have from us. But uh, no, I don't see it as a peak demand. I see it as a, I I do completely agree with you that you know digital is the business. So. You know, where's the word digital? What what does it mean, right? I mean, I think we'll drop the word in a couple of years where we'll, you know, it will be all about business. Uh, and that's also where uh, where we're moving. And I think, you know, there's always going to be uh, movements in the market where there's new, you know, where there's the incumbents, where there's the challengers, uh, and everyone will be building new services, new propositions, new markets, new uh, uh, teams, and they're, I have no doubt in my mind that there will always be a demand to su supplement uh, the internal capabilities with the specific, you know, sort of agency skills. And those agency skills might be different from, let's say, building a website, which it was maybe 15 years ago. Um, and it might be more like, okay, uh, implement machine learning uh, into this process where I can have better predictions of my supply and demand, whatever that may be. So it will shift, but we'll, I think we'll always have a place where sort of the customer meets the brand and how that is experienced, and that's where we want to be as an as a agency. Mm. Uh, how do you see the uh, Dutch market compared to the uh, German market with like agencies like Super Royal or uh, still focused markets of uh, um, um, fact Factor A um, in terms of agency demand? Are they are there the bigger companies here or your bigger clients are setting up offices setting up offices in um, Amsterdam, Rotterdam to attract talent, or are they still able to attract talent? I don't know in Groningen, uh, for example, and and they're going to start building up their digital business, whatever it is, over there? Well, I think we see a big pull towards uh, the creative hubs. So being in Amsterdam or Rotterdam is definitely an advantage. Uh, funny enough, one of our largest corporate clients is a, a huge uh, German chemical distribution company, which has headquartered their digital team in Amsterdam specifically because of this, this reason to be close to the creative and the digital talent. I think the German market is huge. It might be uh, uh, somewhat, uh, uh, I, I would say there is a lot of opportunity left to move many of the German businesses uh, into you know, full-fledged digital customer-oriented uh, companies. And so a lot of work to be done there. 
and uh, uh, yeah, that's that's where we want to be. What I've learned with uh, Willem in our first episode is that you don't um, you don't experience the Amazon effect here yet because Amazon is not even the top five uh, retail no, online retail right companies. Uh, in yeah. Germany, it's depending on what numbers you're using, over 50% of the online market already. Um, do, yep. do you expect such an effect here in the, number, in, the in, in the market? Yeah, of course. I mean, if it's not Amazon, uh, uh, it will be other digital uh, or online retailers, uh, not with the power and the effect of Amazon, but uh, 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 yeah, I think the, the platforms like Bold.com and Coolblue are also having a dramatic effect on, on retail in the Netherlands. So that's, it's not, similar in terms of skill and impact of what you see with Amazon in Germany. Uh, but uh, obviously this effect is here uh, as well. If Amazon will start to take uh, the Netherlands seriously, uh, uh, that will change as well. Uh, I don't know if our market is large enough and interesting enough for Amazon to go full blown into our market because you know, we're relatively small. I would say. Yeah, yeah. I, I, well, Switzerland is, 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 is uh, I having the same same discussion right Denmark, now. Uh, they're all having the they, same they, discussions. They yeah. are all hoping uh, that is <laughs> that yeah. they will be uh, that it will be saved uh, from Amazon. So maybe one last question: yeah. but you have to leave for 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 your lecture. Um, you've seen now so many technical developments in the last like 20 years and like trends in uh, digital agency uh, landscape. W what, what was your your biggest uh, 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 um, um, your biggest like mistake in taking something too seriously, like saying, okay, everybody is going to use like KI uh, in, uh, in in the next month. So has there been something you can speak about? Many mistakes. Uh, yeah, I mean, if we've been doing stuff with, uh, I don't know, we've been doing stuff with, uh, uh, for instance, but it's a small thing. I mean, VR is not taking off and we've been, but we, our investments in that have been pretty limited. I don't think that's big. If you look at the big picture, um, if you zoom out a lot, f from may maybe so end of the 90s, we were big into intranets and then we moved on into uh, also doing corporate portals with a lot of the sort of corporate portal platforms like SharePoint, for instance, for mm -hmm. Microsoft, etc. And we really moved into that direction of being a specialist for information worker solutions. Um, and that's where I think we had a big difficulty being a real digital agency and having that uh, uh, other capability as well. Uh, and we, I think we, s we realized ourselves late that it would be better to split. And we split it up in 2011. And what we've seen after that is that our uh, uh, takeoff in the digital space was really, really strong. So we should have done that way earlier. Okay, and and, and 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 the recent trends in terms of augmented reality and uh, and and artificial intelligence is that something that that uh, uh, where you see really demand, real demand from customers? Yeah, I think well, VR is early, AR is early, so no real demand there for now. Uh, I mean, it's it's nice for campaigns and activations and in on point of sale sort of event spaces, so you can do lots of that's those sort of, and create the content around it. But in terms of integrating it into a real business process, I think it's, it's relatively early. Um, AI is serious business. Uh, and then to put it down very simple, uh, machine learning to make better predictions based on data 
it's as simple as that. You can put it in many processes. You can put it in marketing and AdWords, but you can put it into you know, uh, demand forecasting or whatever you can use it for. And we use it in a lot of spaces. So that is really taking off very quickly, very seriously. There's nothing ingenious about it. It's no magic. It's simple, based on data, make better predictions. Cool. Thanks a lot for your yep. time here uh, in the podcast. Thanks, uh, all about Thanks, all about digital. Our next guest uh, uh, in uh, our episode number nine will be the founder of Meatable. They uh, they they don't do digital at all. They try to produce meat from uh, cells of cows. So it's a it's, it's a very physical a very physical business. But uh, <laughs> thanks for your time. Being thanks, our guest. Thanks a lot. Okay.